Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. It's got the air of a job interview, hasn't it? With us on one side, you on the other. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) It'll very quickly turn the tables. (laughs) (laughs) Everything recorded. I'll have been retired 20 years now if it weren't for him. Just think of the promotions that I missed out on. Ah, dear. Ready when you are, guys. Ready to rock and roll? Yes, perfect. Well, give us a mad wave. I, I enjoyed that before. I'm sorry at all. That's a lot of. You've got to die to get three points. Welcome along to the latest episode of the Die for Three Points podcast. My name is David Prutton, alongside, of course, Neil Warnock. And joining us today, it's the force of nature. That is Simon Jordan, businessman, football club owner, author, producer, commentator, columnist, broadcaster. Have I missed anything, Simon? Yes, you've missed a few. Busy, <laughs> busy sod. <laughs> busy. That's what you put all those together as, don't you? Busy sod. <laughs> yeah, no. um, I'd, I'd normally introduce the two people that are talking on here, but you two go way back, don't we? We do. We do. We do. We do. I think we go back to very early in my ownership of Crystal Palace, mm-hmm. um, when Neil was at Sheffield United. Um, being Machiavellian and mischievous, mm-hmm. trying to offload one of his players to me, or not to me, and get Clinton Morrison in exchange, um, which resulted in me... Who was it? Derek Dooley? Was it Derek Dooley? Yeah, Derek Dooley. Derek Dooley. Yeah, that was a smashing man, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Me phoning up Derek Dooley and saying, get your effing manager in line, <laughs> like, stirring trouble up. But in, in, all, in all seriousness, it developed a, a relationship from there mm. where I watched him didn't always agree with everything he said and did, but watched the way that he operated as a football manager mm-hmm. and watched the teams that he produced. And then it sort of gave me a coveting eye of, mm-hmm. I want that sort of backbone, that sort of spirit, and that sort of outlook in my dugouts. Mm-hmm. And so it started a sort of direction of travel, which is I'm going to land with this guy at some point. And I tried to, uh, in about 2003, mm-hmm. And I eventually got there in 2007. Yeah. And so there was a lot of water in between and a lot of water after. But the point was, for me, it was 
coming into football as a young 31-year-old that had plenty of ambition. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of people will say, and I do a show with Graham Souness that regularly likes to talk about the fact that us guys coming into football know the square root of bugger all. <laughs> um, and leaves out the fact that most football managers know the square root of bugger all about a lot of things as well. Mm -hmm. um, and you gain experience. And so, you know, I went on a journey of trying to understand what football was like and how it was like. Uh, uh, what wait, I, let me just put in there, when he said that about what, it, what about phoning and Derrico, I actually, then we played them at, at Sellers Park mm -hmm. then. And after, biggest, didn't you? after the game, Most after the game, I actually went up to the boardroom and said, "Could I speak to Simon Jordan?" Really? Yeah, and we had a we had a, a, a conversation for about fifteen minutes in the boardroom, and uh, after that, I thought, "Wow, he knows what he's doing." And unfortunately, Simon uh, thought I was a decent manager as well, and and that's how it came about. That and and I think it was the respect that we. Mm. commanded for instantly from that absolutely chat. yeah so and he was right i did it. try and pinch a, a player off him etc um because i wanted to get rid of one as well and it, and it was one of them one of that one of them jobs but uh, derek dooley was a gentleman mm. but in the end simon um you know i think i think there's only one other chairman that i that i had that, mm. that compared in that respect and uh it was uh, we had a we had a we had a good time together. So, so then talk us through that initial conversation before we started recording. I've talked about mm -hmm. this big table that we're all sat round and what the dynamics possibly of that conversation are. So when it becomes employer employee, when it becomes I want you as a manager to guide to create the culture David, of this David, football before club. Before that, I'm Go going on. to interrupt you again. Let me tell you that there was nothing like that. He was a clever, very clever, <laughs> okay. clever man. You know, as you could hear when and you, you listen to him. Yeah. What he did is. He rang me up when I was I got stitched up at Sheffield United. So I'm retiring. I was mm. going to retire then. I, was, I made up my mind. I've had enough now. So he, he, he was clever. He rang me up and didn't say come and have the job. He just said, Neil, will you just come do me a favour? Will you come and have a look at the club mm. in general? Have a look around and see if you can help me. <laughs> and uh, I said... Yeah, I wasn't doing anything. Mm. So I said, yeah, all right, I'll come back. <laughs> I wasn't of, doing anything. A couple better. of days, a couple of days down looking at the club. Mm. And then within a week, I'm manager. Yeah. That, does that sound right? Is that the same? <laughs> That's a version of events. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The version of events is um, I'd like you to come and manage the club. Mm -hmm. And uh, the pushback was, I want more money <laughs> <laughs> to do it. Okay. Yeah. Um, but look, the, 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 to go through the process, it depends who's asking. Mm -hmm. right? If he's asking me for a job, Right. It puts me in a different position than, than the situation than I'm, if I'm asking him for a job. Mm -hmm. So if I go to him as a chairman and so say, listen, I fancy you, then you're not in interviewing mode. Yeah. You're in, do we actually get on? Mm -hmm. Okay, is there, a, is there a symmetry? Is there some dynamism between us? Because I think there might be. But you're not really interviewing. You're just ticking the boxes to make sure that your original thought process is confirmed by the nature yeah. of the meeting. Right? But I already knew that anyway. Yeah. So, so in the dynamic of Neil, when I went to him earlier on in, say, 2003, as a preliminary discussion, he wanted to finish the job that he had at Sheffield United yeah. and was committed to that particular football club, misguidedly, I think, at times, with some of the people didn't look after him the way they should have done, and maybe he'll talk to you about that, and maybe he won't. That's his gift. Mm -hmm. But in 2007, when Peter Taylor, I'd given him enough rope to either run with or hang himself with, and he'd chosen the latter, mm -hmm. um, and I just felt now, with all the journey, all the managers, and all the bullshit that I'd listened to in football about what kind of person I was and what kind of person I wasn't, I wanted someone that I could get to places with because of, mm -hmm. not in spite of. 
I got to the Premier League with Ian Dowie in spite of our relationship. It was an arduous, testing, trying, boring relationship. He had a union leader as a father and he brought it to work every single day and I found it wearing. And even when we got success, I didn't enjoy one scintilla of it because I was constantly at odds with a guy that was my champion. Yeah. And I wanted a guy that was in my corner. I didn't want an island. I didn't want the football operation over here and a chairman over here. And conversely, I didn't want to be in the bleeding dressing room either. I don't want to have a dog and bark, but I wanted somebody that could just take hold of the job, get on with that job in hand, and also at the same time, work with me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not very difficult to work with. I'm a straightforward guy. I do what I say I'm going to do, and I expect others to do the same. And it's straight talking. And in a football world, what you get is all this old crap about inner sanctums. People can't do this and people can't do that. There's a balancing act. And mm. I just felt that in 2007, it was the time. Neil had, uh, had left Sheffield United on the back of their relegation. It was the right time to say to him, look, I think that we can do this. Come and have a look with me yeah. right, about the framework of this. I think there's an opportunity here. And I think it could be good for both of us. The press conference was fabulous. Everybody... On the, on the sky and everywhere else, what did our press conference? We were up on the top table, like we'd been filmed by everybody. And <laughs> not one of them, they all said, oh, no chance of that. Marriage made in hell. <laughs> Marriage made in hell. Headlines in the paper. <laughs> our, two pa our two pictures on the paper. Yeah. Marriage made in hell can never work in a million years, going to blow up within weeks. And it was never like that at all. In fact, probably the most humblest time in my career um, at Palace was we lost a game I can't remember exactly Scunthorpe I think 3 or 4 nil, and I thought we'd have, I've had enough I can't do any more with this mm. team and I said to uh, we're down in the dressing room and I, I don't know who was my assistant and I said I've, but it'd be I, Mick wouldn't it yeah well I think it would God be Mick Mick soul. Jones who was just, mm. who was just passed yeah. away and I said to Mick Mick you know we, we can't do any more with this you know we've got to let Simon pick somebody else and have a go and and as we're talking who walks through the door we've lost 4-3 or 4-0 yeah. right. he walks in through the door right and he comes up and I said well Simon listen I, you know I don't, I'm not sure we could do any more for you you what you're the best manager in the league, you. Blah, blah, blah. He went off for five minutes, yeah. how good I was. Why? He didn't want anybody else. Yeah. He's got every faith in me. The players, he'll change and do that another. And in the <laughs> he goes back out and says to me, okay, I didn't think we were that good, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we're better than we thought. <laughs> and that's where we stayed. And do you know, we were the thickness of a goalpost from getting promoted. Mm. I know it was mm. only semi-final mm. of the playoffs. Yeah, we remember missed, that, yeah. Ben hit the post. Ten minutes to go, we'd have won that game, and we would have won. We'd have beat Hull in the final. Yeah, we would and, have. Done. And and we ended up losing by the thickness of a post. And and life might have been completely different mm. for, for for both Simon and yeah. myself. Are you with me? But that's football, isn't it, Simon? It's interesting perspectives because the, there's two commodities in football that are at their most prevalent, which is gossip and money. And the gossip was, and the headlines in the newspapers to go back to the appointment was that two most combustible men in football sitting at a table. People don't understand people; they have perceptions of them. I went in the dressing room once, mm. uh, very early in my first year of owning partnership, three months in, because it was a partnership where I was seeing, and I wasn't prepared to watch it. And I and I went down there. And said something never went in there again mm. but it carries you through you are now an interfering chairman a person that wants to be in the yeah. dressing After room literally and, just once and going just once. in and yeah. that's football and, the, and you have to accept that and you, you you can push back against it but you'll never beat the narrative the only way to beat the narrative is endlessly win and no one really does that but the, the you know the scenario surrounding him and it's interesting because we had brian mcdermott on a show yesterday he was talking about some of his demons 
and the challenges very he very movingly as well I thought mm, very in depth yeah, yeah I thought he was a, mm. a, a, a very impressed with him mm. and he talked about his demons of you know never feeling good enough and having an imposter, imposter syndrome, syndrome yeah. and no one ever saying that he was good enough in the end you have to believe in yourself but I used the example with Neil of saying that Neil was you know flat and demoralised by what was a bad defeat at home to a team that shouldn't really be in the same zip code as we were, mm. you know, not because they're not a big football club or a decent football club, because we are better players mm-hmm. and a better manager. And it was just a moment in time, and I believed in him. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, it's his ability that will determine the outcome, not my words. Yeah. I gave him my belief, not because he's a charity case, but because I believed in him. Yeah. And, you know, and we were very, and it was a, it was a, you know, that penalty miss from Ben who went to score the win in the FA Cup final two years later, which I got to watch, yeah. was, was a determining factor for me because yeah. I made some big financial decisions on the back of that, mm. which eventually ended up costing me 50, 60 million quid in the football club. Mm. So those moments in time, you know, they are sliding doors, yeah. but they are what makes football well, unique, Sam, isn't it? Tell them about, tell them about, we have a laugh between those two, about how I got an increase. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, this, I now, presume he does his own negotiation, now, now, doesn't he? Now, when you talk about cleverness, yeah. and you talk about how clever I am, yeah. here, here will be the exact polar opposite of that. So, uh, I go to see him. We've just lost the playoff semi-final in a game against Bristol City that we probably lost in the first leg, really, yeah. because we we weren't prepared for what they had to bring. And we'd beat them twice in the season. We were a better side than them. They came and beat us 2-1, and they scored two worldies to achieve it. And we had to go back up to Ashton Gate and do something no one had done before. Mm-hmm. And we nearly did, right? But but because of the nature of the feeling that I had, he had brought together, and I don't want to over-egg uh, the pudding, but he had brought us a, fe- a, a sort of feeling in a club that I hadn't had before. I'd had seven or eight managers, whether it's Steve Bruce or Ian Dowie or Peter Taylor or whoever else we can you know uh, think of that I had during that period of time, um, Trevor Francis. So it had been a bumpy ride. And yeah. Some of it was because the media wanted to portray me as a pantomime villain, and some of it was because it was a bumpy ride. But the spirit was good. And so I'd gone to see him and sort of said to him, look, Sharon was there, his wife, and said, look, this is, I'm, I'm happy with this. You're doing well. We didn't get to the, to, to the Premier League, but it is what it is. We'll mm-hmm. go again, and I really think. So he said, Chairman, do you think I'm best manager in Premier League? I think you're exactly like in that. championship. That's a bad. That's in, a bad action. In, in, in championship, yeah. am I best? Am I best manager in championship? <laughs> now, my son was born in the north, so I'm trying to master this accent now. That's being a whole boy, isn't he? Yeah. He is indeed. Mm. Yeah, deeply upset me that. But um, but I said, yeah, you are absolutely you are. So why is Dave Jones getting more money than me then? I said, I guess he's fucking not. Now, is he? <laughs> <laughs> so I got a good rise. <laughs> so I went back. I went back, and I was going back to the finance director, going right. We're cutting this. We're cutting that. We're cutting this. I want to reduce this. I want to reduce that. And by the way, I've just given the manager a forty percent pay rise. There <laughs> <laughs> was that as an aside at the end. <laughs> yeah, way, my money does your tongue. Yeah. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live, from ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating. They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. 
burrow.com slash ACAST. So yes, so that, that's yeah. how clever I was. But yeah. listen, he, he, you know, he had a point. Mm-hmm. You can't tell someone they're the best around and, not and then ultimately, <laughs> yeah. then they have to be worth it. Yeah. And justified the pay just, rise, don't they? And he didn't the next season, but that's a different discussion. <laughs> but, I mean, because that's because when you're saying Neil there about Simon coming in and saying to you about um, what he looks at you and, va- and how he values you, because as, as a player, you look at the manager and you think, well, he motivates me. Who motivates the manager? The owner motivates the manager. Who then motivates the owner? Because inherently, you own a football club. I don't, Who on earth do you I answer to? Who on earth do you answer to? I don't think he can. Anybody can motivate the owner. I, I don't know. I can't think of anybody that could motivate Simon when he's there. Mm. He, he had it all on his shoulders. Yes, he had staff as well, but he t- he took the brunt of everything. Because fundamentally, he, you're paying everyone. Lead, you? Well, leaders it's lead. Your that, thing, leaders yeah. lead. Mm. That's what they do. So you take the responsibility. Is what you do. I'd be more comfortable being in a position of making ultimate decisions than being the person that was told what decision was. Are you so built get, like that? Have you developed that? No, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm built like that. I get a freedom from being able to make. We can all make decisions, and it's about making the good decisions that mm. define you whether you're a good leader or a bad leader. But for me, it was not a difficult chore. You know, mm. I had the responsibility for 10, 11 years of owning a football club. It cost me a lot of money. I made good decisions. I made bad ones, but I owned my decisions. You know, mm. go hard or go home. You know, it's the kind of mentality that I believe in. Um, and for me, I don't need to be motivated. I kind of have, without disappearing up my own ass with pros, I have the sort of Rudyard Kipling mentality of treating both imposters the same way, success mm-hmm. and failure. Because I think life and football more than anything does that to mm. you. You know, there's a tendency in sport and even so in society now to catastrophize things mm. right, and to turn everything into something far bigger than it is. A win wasn't a summer mm. and a loss wasn't a winter yeah you know and i got to that position quite early because the first year at palace every time we lost it broke my heart mm. literally and i'd sit like having a goldfish bowl in my around my head wanting to cry at someone again yeah. and i thought i'm not doing this mm. anymore I'll kill like, you. When, you when you fall in love with somebody <laughs> and yeah. really hurt your feelings you'll never fall in love again the same way yeah. you'll always remember that and then from that point of view i just made a, a, you know a view that this was about operating in a, in a certain way keeping to some extent, emotion to one side and doing things for the right reasons. If you do things for the right reasons, you'll own the outcome mm. because you know you've done it for the right reasons. You might not always get the, uh, the end result that you want, but if you do it the right way and keep on doing it the right way, then you'll get what you want out of it in the end. You see, with, with, with Simon at that time as well, you, you looked at his image, right? He was like a blonde gloss, his bloody blonde hair. He was like a... You know the Adonis orange coloured face. Are you with me? And and <laughs> and he was up there, yeah. and uh, and and everybody said, you know, you can't work for him. He's impossible. Nobody really knows mm. the Simon Jordan. And yes, I'm not saying he didn't get stitched up at the end of his career, at the end of his time at, at Palace. But uh, but I I, re- I remember uh, even at the bad time where he did get, I remember getting from the administrator. A letter saying we no longer require your services. I thought, right, and off I went, you know, type of thing. And then Simon went into him and said, "What are you doing? Something like that. You, he's, we could get money for him. Yeah, yeah. Or what have you? I think we got five hundred grand, didn't we, or something?" I put. I suppose if you know, if we're turning this into a conversation about what was when, why, and how, and if, I put the shits up, people, because I'm not really frightened of anything or anyone. And I back myself and I call people out. I call myself out by the same set of standards. I judge myself by a far harsher set of standards than I judge anybody that works with me or for me or alongside me because I think that's the way to be. And what I did in the 10, 11 years I was there, 
was I wasn't intimidated by environments. I wasn't intimidated by so-called leaders of men. Mm -hmm. And I respected those that were worthy of it and not those that weren't. And sometimes in football, it is the emperor's new clothes. It is a load of old nonsense, <laughs> you know, and there are people that hide behind it and live and profit as a result of it. And then you have the media sometimes that couldn't find their ass with both hands in a funnel. And, and that's why sometimes some of the media work I do, do resonates because people can understand that I know what I'm talking about and mm. a lot of people don't. I'm not suggesting I'm the oracle and I've got the zeitgeist on everything, but what I'm saying is common sense yeah. is a component that's missing in society, it's missing in sport, it's missing in every aspect of our lives. And when someone comes along with common sense, which is a basic fundamental, mm. everyone goes, wow, look at that, there's a revolution over mm. there, and it's really not. So from my point of view, I just wanted to hold people accountable, mm. and they don't like it. So what they do then is they go, I'll tell you what you are. You're arrogant. No, I'm not. I'm not arrogant. I'm confident. Because mm. arrogant is a way of diminishing you. I'll tell you what, you're aggressive. No, I'm not aggressive. I'm assertive. I know yeah. what I want. And it's a way of diminishing people. And the football world is very good at it. So when they, myself and Neil were at a table, and they do it to him too, when we're sat at a table, and you challenge people, you challenge the status quo. I'm not having it. Mm. I'm not taking it at face value. I'm not taking what you've said to me or what you're prepared to give for me at face value I'm going to push the envelope I'm going to see what the better outcome for me is then people don't like it so then what they do is they try to find a way to diminish you now at the end of my time at Palace it was my fault yeah. I allowed people to do things to me because I put myself in a position they, you know, they stepped on my throat they couldn't have got me on the, they could only step on my throat because I put myself on the floor they yeah. couldn't have got me there themselves but that was my fault I put myself in a way of losing 50, 60 million quid because my balls were too big and I wouldn't say no when I should have done mm -hmm. But these are all part of a journey. Sometimes it's a painful journey, and sometimes it's a journey that you don't get the outcomes that you want. But I can tell you, not for the purpose of this podcast, in the 10 years that I operated in football, not because he's here, mm. right? not because this is a, you know, two old mates having a spitball about what they didn't Absolutely. do in football. Mm -hmm. The most enjoyable time that I had in football was the two and a half years that he was there with me because it made me value more. Because after about seven years, I'm going, this is bullshit. This is a one-way transaction. It's take, 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 nothing coming back. And all you get is people deriding what you're doing. And nobody wants to do anything with you. Mm. It's almost the other way in life. Like in life, you know, uh, failure is an orphan and success has many fathers. Mm. In football, that's not true. Success is an orphan because the only people that are attributed to success are managers. The owner, Akim, who cares what yeah, he was? He was but nothing. failure, <laughs> oh, that's everybody's fault. Yeah. The owner can have some of that as well. Right? Yeah. So in my time with him, and I'll never forget it, and it's a moment that I never had in football. And I stood on a pitch at the playoff semi uh, playoff final when we got through, we beat um, West Ham in two thousand and four. And I didn't want to be involved. And Theo Pafis said to me, "Get on the pitch. It's your football club. You should go and have this moment because it is yours." Mm. Um, but in the in the in the in the last game of the season that we had in the two thousand seven eight season, we played Burnley at home, beaten five 0 You know, and there was never a more togetherness in a football club. And I looked at it, I thought. This is what owning a football club should be like. Mm. And my mother was there, and she didn't come to many matches. Mm. And he did a spe speech on the pitch, and he turned around, and it stunned me, and it actually embarrassed me. The reasons why we're all here is because of the chairman. And it sounds like a love in here for the purpose of this conversation, but it was a meaningful moment for yeah. me in terms of achievement and finances and enjoyment. Like I said in the beginning of this, you get places because of people. Mm -hmm. And in football, sometimes it's in spite of them. And I was perhaps going to get somewhere because of the guy that I brought in, yeah. that I had the relationship with, that supported my ideals. 
in adversity and in success, because we all get on. Everybody gets on when it's going the right way, right? Easy, isn't it? It's when it goes to shit that you find out who stands and who runs, right? So as much as that's an anecdote, it was a really... And it was sad for me two years later because it all blew up then. Mm. But I had, for the first time in the 10 years and 11 years at Palace, the right person in place. I had I had the goose pimples down me then, yeah. thinking about it on the pitch, because it wasn't planned. Uh, let's give us a microphone and that, you know, and uh, and we spoke. His dad his dad was there. His dad was a big supporter when I was there. His dad used to tell me off every game after a game, what the bloody hell did you play him for? Why didn't you bring him up? He was no good. I used to say to Simon, Simon, can you control your dad? Can you tell him I'm the manager? You're not playing him next week, are you? He can't play. Oh, I've never met anybody like Pete. He was a lovely man. But he didn't. He used to, I used to say to you, can you quieten him down, Simon, for God's sake? They had good football conversations. My father played football for Palace in the 50s. Yes. So he had a view. And he was also a good coach. But listen, he's the manager. And they had a good dynamic. And Neil was very tolerant. When Neil had got out of his office, finished applying his face cream and all the stuff that we had to wait for him to do after he'd finished, right, he'd eventually come upstairs to the ballroom. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, it was a good. I mean, it, Palace, the, the the atmosphere mm. is one of the best. I mean, I would never, as I said to you before, David. I would. I thought going below Watford. I'd never ever dream of going below Watford. It was the pits for me. Anywhere below, the yeah. going above Watford. And, it, thought, and I used to oh, look right, at the northern southern. And I used to look at him on the telly and think, I couldn't I work for him. Look at him. I couldn't work for him. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, phone call. We go down and we have the talk and that, and then. Two of the best years. Mm. Uh, Palace and then QPR, for me. Two clubs where the fans are right on top and they never shut up singing. Great, you know, great atmosphere. Best owner that you've worked for? Simon, the Simon and uh, and Mamet. Derek was different because Derek wasn't a football man. He was Mm -hmm. just a lovely person, Derek Dooley. But Simon and and, and, and I think uh, uh, Dalman at, at Cardiff. He helped me because of, the, you know, how he dealt with the ownership. You like Gianni, though, didn't you? I like Gianni. Yeah, Gianni. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Gianni I at QPR. <laughs> I'm not sure everybody else liked him at the time, but I had Flavio and Bernie Eccleston at QPR. And, Another quiet pair. I mean, trying to deal with them. But Gianni, at least he would have a, you know, oh, I, I'll sort it, Neil. Yeah. And he did He did quite well, did Gianni. So it was I think t- you were saying about Flavio as well before. It, again, as, as what Simon's saying there, going up and down with the emotions. It ah, was but Flavio. After, after one defeat, it was ah, like, get Neil out. Flavio weren't like Simon. Yeah. Flavio, we, we were Easter. Not, yeah. And it was Scunthorpe again. Yeah. We went to Scunthorpe. Bogey team, Scunny. And we got beat 3-1 or 4-1. And he's on the phone to somebody, and Johnny rings me. Oh, Flavio! He, I said, "Well, what's he talking about? He wants to get rid of you, Neil." He, 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 I said, "Well, so anyhow, then somebody else phoned me, a journalist. He spoke to a journalist, said we might have to change and all that lot." And then, he's a bloody loop. Oh, then Bernie Eccleston rang me. I said, "Bernie, what's he doing talking to press about? We might have to change the manager. Well, with ten games to go, I'm going to get you promoted. If anybody can get you promotion, me, Flavio, uh, uh, Bernie." Neil, just take no notice whatsoever. Don't answer the phone to him. He hasn't got a clue what he's doing. Oh, bloody hell. More right to you. <laughs> I mean, there was that film we ever never saw. Yes. Four-year yes. plan. Yeah. If you ever get a chance to look at the four-year plan, I got success despite a four that. Year. <laughs> yeah. Didn't they have all their tracksuits with all their names on it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, they spent more on that C-club. Uh, yeah, no, I, can, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't warm to Briatore. He had, I had him in a boardroom a few times at Palace, and he just got on my nerves, to be honest, mm. with his blue sunglasses and, uh, and uh, sort of inflated opinion of himself. But he's a successful guy, yeah, you know, and he had a certain view. But I would imagine, given that sort of Italian temperaments, 
that Cellini had leads as well. Yes, you know, combustible. You, you, you've got this combustible. That is combustible. Is it? um, but it's also probably slightly um, irrational mm. in its perspective. Would you? Would you? It's slightly hypothetical, but would you own a football club again? Um, it's a scorpion and the frog, isn't it? Mm. You know, where you are, what you are. Um, would I run towards it? Not necessarily. Um, would I run towards it with my own checkbook? Unlikely. Mm. Um, do you? Do I have an inordinate amount of experience, uh, life experience, and commercial experience, mm. and football experience? Yeah, and and could that be utilised? Probably. Mm. Um, but it's like. I don't know. It's kind of like owning a restaurant, and then and then selling it and going back to work as a, in, as a waiter. Unless I'm going to own a football club and mm. be in control of it, I probably wouldn't want to do it for someone else. Could. No, not but without owning it. It could, you know, it's all right saying he could be chief exec and and because he knows the ropes. But Simon is he has to be the main man there because he's seen it all and done it all. Mm. So if it was the right club and he could he could he could get in at the right thing. Definitely, yeah. because you learn by your mistakes. Now, like he's saying, he made mistake because he wouldn't have been in that situation. Yeah. But a lot of facts went against him mm. to, for that to happen. So I think you, you do learn by that. And I think if he could get a club, it'd be successful again. Me, but see, I don't think much. I made any mistakes. I think everyone everyone takes challenges on. If you, yeah. you show me someone that's you know uh, that's always successful, and I'll show you someone that's never tried anything. Yeah. Right. So the bottom line is, is you pivot, you make decisions, you pivot away from them. You know, when a, when a, you have the biggest banking crisis in the world and you're invested in America, Spain, real estate, TV companies, theatre production companies, film companies and football clubs, then you haven't got much risk on the table. Yeah. But you do. You have a lot of risk. And so at the time with the world's biggest banking crisis, it took me down. I think probably if, it, if, that, if we hadn't have had that situation, then I would probably still own Crystal Palace now. But that is what it is. Mm. You know, but going to your, to your question, I don't have a burning ambition to do it. I don't think football has particularly changed. I'm not a particular admirer of the people within the confines of it at times. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like having an opinion. I like watching it and I like um, having an influence through the media because what I've learned, I never had much of a respect for the media. I sort of felt, you know, background noise. Mm. But when you actually occupy some time in the media, you know it has influence and it's what you, you want to use that influence for. So my, my reason for being in the media is I'm in the process of building a media business so I want to understand how it works, mm -hmm. right? So I want to understand how communities are built and how media platforms are established and how you can build libertarian thinking and eclectic views. Mm. So, and then you have a media presence and you can leverage that. Yeah. So that's why I'm doing the media that I'm doing. Um, but I don't look at it and go, I looked at Coventry the other day, this is hard yards, the stadium's hard yards, dealing with joy and potentially our husband is hard yards. Mm. And the valuation is for the birds, and they want you to move to another plot so they can regenerate the stadium or redevelop the stadium and, and the whole mix with wasps. And I know that will change yeah. because of the administration over there. So it's not a burning ambition, but you never know. So I don't sit here going, I must go and write a checkout for another football club. Yeah, um, I must get back involved in football um, because the team that I wanted to own... Mm was the team that I supported all my life. And an emotional connection to, didn't you? And I had an emotional investment. Mm. That emotional investment dissipated over the years, and it became about, I want it not just to be an emotional transaction, I, I, I've ended up becoming a labour of love. I've lost some of the love, but I'll take the labour on. Yeah. And I want it to reflect me. I want to win. You know, a good fight isn't one you put up. Mm -hmm. A good fight is one you win. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, like you know, all right. Well, moving on from Palace, there. You know, like with Simon, I, I look at his media work now. Mm -hmm. I tune in now to the program when he's on, and I look the ordinary man in the street. 
Uh, if you'd have told me in when I first met him and, and worked for him, mm. that the ordinary man in the street would say, bloody hell, he knows what he's talking about, doesn't he? He, he almost was, because of the way he was in that, his personal, you know, then, yeah. it looked, but you, you've heard all his words. I don't understand half his <laughs> words. He comes out with words I've never heard of, me. But when he says what he says, he never says something for the sake of it. He's always factual. I don't know how he does it, but every every conversation aspect about football, the, the contra, tra, controversies yep. that crop up, he has an opinion, well, yeah. and the ordinary man in the street supports his opinion. Mm. And I, I've never known anything. I never thought he'd be as good as he is. I think he's as good as anything there is on the radio now. Well, I mean, because it, it's not a it's not a, a straight line from That's a low bar from from from. Yeah. Um, from where you've come as a businessman all the way through your footballing career to now broadcasting, it, it must—it sounds uh, like it's something that you actually do really enjoy. It's not a labour of love; it's something that you love doing. It's influence, isn't it? Mm. And uh, and and my partner's in the media. She's in the news side of the media, and so I have strong views. And what I aim to do with the football side of things is you take it away from the pitch. I'm not qualified to sit with Graham Souness or Neil Warnock or Danny Murphy or or even Keogh, even Keogh. And talk about the tactics. You do wind him up a lot. I do. It's easily done. Yeah. <laughs> um, but talk about a formation of a side. Why would I do that? Mm. But what I can do is I can talk to you about this other seventy percent that the public want to hear, which is how f- sport is which held they together. don't know about mm. the side, the, the yeah. club side, and what happens behind the scenes. But it's also as intriguing now yeah. because there's more. It's actually more going on off the pitch, off the court. Mm. You know, off the court, off the you know, off the boxing ring, and outside of it, and actually sometimes goes on. Of yeah. course, everything hangs off. What what happens on a football pitch who wins a game and who scores goals and who's the best player but when it comes to it there's only so many times you can rehash that information mm. there's only so many different ways that Roy Keane can say a sentiment or Micah Richards can guffaw like a donkey or Gary Neville can espouse the world of his views right? there's a bottom line behind that there's a lot more going on mm. right? so with that in mind you know, there's a space there and I think what I've been able to do insofar as I've been able to do anything is I say what the guy in the street would like to say Correct. if he was if in the If they room. could do yeah. it. Now, they, whether, now whether, that's, whether that's taking the knee or whether it's something to do with players' wages or whether it's to do with a principle behind someone's behaviour or whether it's to do the economics of the Qatar World Cup or whether it's the European Super League or whatever it is, I'll have a go at it. And what they see in the media, I think, is clickbait. They see people saying things to get a reaction and they don't believe in it. And then when, when they put an argument up, they can't stand it up because it gets knocked over because they haven't got an argument. Mm. I will always have a point behind what I'm saying. Otherwise, I won't make that point. Because if someone is capable across a table of just taking down a platitude for me, then I'm going to disadvantage myself. So for me, it's all about, again, being competitive in what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But I know that the media is very influencing. I don't like certain aspects of it. I don't like the way the media thinks it can pick an England manager, pick a team, and now pick a prime minister. Mm -hmm. I don't like that because I think it's disingenuous, divisive, and it's agenda-serving. You know, I'm one of those people... I always tell the truth, even when I'm lying. You know, I believe in the principle <laughs> of being upfront and direct. So, mm. so the media for me is interesting. Mm. Now, it will then lead me into doing other things, which I am doing at this moment in time, and building a, a a platform that involves the six pillars of broadcasting, which are sport, mm-hmm. politics, finance, society, comedy. So, I get people like John Lloyd who wrote, you know, uh, Blackadder, and maybe Jordan Peterson, and I might get Russell Brand, and I might yep. get a few people to do some very interesting stuff. All right, but. It's about understanding something. So what's the best way to understand something? Immerse yourself mm-hmm. in it. So that when you sit there across the table from say, to someone and say, 
Now I want you to do it. Yeah. You know what you're talking about. Do you, you know, like, can I ask you though, Simon? Let me ask you. You know, the conversations every day changes, doesn't it? With, with something happens in the yeah. news, and Jim comes on and yeah. does that and other. Do you, do you, do you not do your homework? No. Is it just natural? Everything natural? But your answers. Yeah. No. The deal for me was that talk would have me in at quarter to nine, and wear headphones. So I get in at five to ten, and don't wear headphones, and don't watch that much. I watch games. Yeah, yeah. I watch interesting games. Yeah. I was in, intrigued and invested in the game that Liverpool had yeah. against Man City. Yeah. But I'm not a student of every single nuance and peculiarity, but it's common sense, Neil. If these guys stand up and tell you they're going to do the European Super League and you know it has no meritocracy attached to it, you know they can't sell it. So you've got to say they can't sell it. They won't get it done in this guise. And you look around the room and everyone's going, well, I don't really know how this works, so we'll defer to him. And away you go. Yeah. And most of it is common sense. And business translates. This, you know, I know when a manager's going to get sacked. I know why he's going to get sacked because I've done enough of those particular scenarios. And it, football doesn't change. The quantums of money change and the, the amount of media interest changes. But the same central forces there, people are successful, people are unsuccessful, people buy football clubs, people sell football clubs, people are in football for different reasons. There are a whole raft of challenges. And I'm only interested in the jeopardy. I can't stand the pedestrian crap. I can't stand the sack race and all that sort of stuff. I want to get into the territory of, you know, of the challenges that the world has. You know, when we're, whether we're talking about the racism at Yorkshire County Cricket Club and Asian Rafik and his hypocrisy, or we're talking about what's happening with the European Super League and own those conversations and have some balls. And the real beauty for me is You've been there. I don't care either. Mm. I don't care to be irresponsible. It's not my career. It doesn't pay my mortgage. Mm -hmm. So I can go for it and I can then, and I walk a tightrope. And one of these days, I know I'll fall off that tightrope, maybe grow up myself, right? (laughs) But right now, it's okay. But, I mean, and that's the fascinating thing to hear you both talk because it's that straight line between what joins a fellow from South London and a fellow from South Yorkshire. And in the middle is honesty, straight talking. Respect. Respect and the beautiful thing in the middle, of course, is football. Isn't totally, it? yeah, totally. But it's straightforward talk. It's straight, I mean, I, people say straight talking is a challenging thing. Mm. I think those that don't aren't straight talkers are challenging. Mm-hmm. I think those that don't say what they mean and don't mean what they say are, are challenging people. Now, the common ground between myself and Neil was we both wanted to win. We both were very committed. We both expected high standards of ourselves and those around us, and we were both prepared to do what it took to be successful and didn't care about the background noise. Mm. This wasn't a popularity contest for us. Mm. You know, there's two kinds of people in the world, isn't there? Popular people and successful people. And it's amazing how successful or how popular you become when you're successful, mm. right? So we wanted to be successful, and it was about doing it with a all in. And so I knew where I stood. Mm. And I also knew with him, more than other managers, that I could rely on him to take care of his end. And I wouldn't have to listen to a load of excuses and reasons why and how it hadn't had become my fault I have mm. enough problems I rang him me. I rang him nearly every day Simon yeah and uh, and, and, I, and I told him everything that happened on the football mm-hmm. side didn't have to because mm. you don't have to but you wanted to I wanted to yeah I wanted him to know what it's like on that side as well do you know what I mean because mm. he knew everything about that side but he didn't know everything about that side and I always uh, I didn't treat it it wasn't like a job I know it sounds silly it was it was like a love uh, because it was so hmm. uh, it got me out of a, out Passion of the for it, I it? was so disappointed at leaving Sheffield United and so distraught of the a lack of lack of trust that I had in certain people that to go with Simon was like a breath of fresh air hmm. and I'll never for, for, 
forget what he did for me because without him I wouldn't have done the Crystal Palace which I really loved mm. and I went back to Palace again second time by the way and signed Saha second time <laughs> it made me that signed him and uh, and then obviously the, the, mm. the, the going up to QPR as well it was and you can hear the sirens what, what I miss in yeah. what I miss in London. Not being in London. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, this has been fantastic. I mean, Simon, we could have you on for longer. We're trying to keep it nice and lean here, we aren't are. we, on this yeah. podcast? But you're a busy man. We thank you so much. My for pleasure. Your time. Thanks ever so much, Simon. For pleasure. Coming. Fantastic. Pleasure. That's another episode done. Of course, of Die for Three Points. Please like, subscribe, give us your comments. We like to read each and every one, and we'll be back very soon with another episode. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.